Welcome to the Vital Dawn Podcast for Wednesday, May 13th. S&P futures are trading about unchanged after yesterday. Europe, though, is playing catch-up, so Europe is trading off about 1.8%. Asia had a relatively decent evening considering how the U.S. closed yesterday. So Asia actually finished in the green for the most part, other than Japan and Hong Kong, which were off small. India is leading on the upside in Asia um, with very strong gains following the stimulus package that was unveiled yesterday by Modi. Um, so in terms of the U.S. looking out on the Wednesday session, I would say that there really was not any major news out for the U.S. that was not already known at four o'clock yesterday. So a lot of time was spent overnight conducting postmortems on what happened yesterday afternoon. Um, you know, there were a lot of culprits cited for the sell off including this report about Los Angeles extending its lockdown for another three months. The California State University System, which is the largest in the country, came out and said that it would be holding all of its classes in the fall online. So essentially saying they're not going to be having students back, at least for the first half of next year. You have escalating U.S.-China tensions. There was a bill introduced yesterday by a bunch of senators that would authorize the White House to impose sanctions on China if Beijing um, were to were to obstruct an investigation into the origins of the coronavirus. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like this is really going to become law, but again, does not help sentiment um, in terms of the U.S.-China relationship. And then I would finally, there was also con- some concern about bank capital return following remarks from Quarles and Harker, two Fed officials who spoke yesterday. Um, you know, recall all the banks have shut off their buybacks until at least the end of June, they are still paying dividends. Um, Quarles made a comment about how the current stress test process will incorporate current events, suggesting that um, you know the coronavirus deterioration in the economy could contribute to um, a reduction in capital return going forward. And then Harker um, said that you know he does not think banks should be paying out quote unquote large dividends, um, although none of them really are paying out large dividends. So you know I don't necessarily think the Fed was necessarily signaling a um, you know, a, a sharp shift in its in its philosophy on capital return from banks, but that certainly did not help. The banks have traded horribly um, for the last two days, for the last several weeks, really, uh, especially relative to the market. So, those were kind of the main areas of focus as to why the market sold off. Uh, you know, my own thoughts again. I, I I think that all of that certainly did not help, but I also you know I think there are bigger factors at play, specifically. You know, I continue to think that the market is overstating reopening. Again, I think that we should be focused more on normalizing economic behavior, and that's a much longer process than just reopening. Um, and then I think too that there's too much being made about the positive linearity remarks being made by several companies. You know, it's certainly positive. It's very positive that we are embarking on reopening. It's also positive that it seems that the economy troughed in early April, but you're still talking about an environment that's quite bleak. Um, and it's also down materially year on year. And I think that should be the bigger focus. Um, and then and on a more technical basis, you know, I think the imbalances in the market are also something that just makes for a very precarious tape. And so it doesn't take a lot to tip it over, um, such as we saw yesterday. So, you know, you can look at the equal weighted and the market cap weighted S&Ps. Those gaps are very wide. And then just, you know, again, critical groups like the banks, the banks have are trading horribly. Um, on an absolute basis and on a relative basis to the market. And while you know Amazon, Microsoft, Apple will dominate the S&P mathematically, um, and if those stocks trade well, it will push the overall tape higher, at a certain point in time, you need to have broader participation, especially from critical groups like banks. Um, and if that does not occur, then like I said, it just makes for a very precarious market that that can be toppled by any, any headline, wh- whatever it may be. Um, and you saw a bunch of them yesterday. So as far as overnight, the last 12 hours, 
Um, you know, the Stan Druckenmiller remarks, he spoke at the New York Economic Club yesterday. The headlines hit, started to hit right after the close. Certainly worth reading. Um, very, very somber. Talked about how the risk reward is the worst he's ever seen in his life for stocks. Um, that was probably the biggest notable uh, macro headline that hit after the close. Um, Biden, it looks like the Biden campaign is going to be ramping up its pressure on Trump over China. So again, the, you know, the, the rhetoric towards China, is going to be bipartisan in terms of the acrimony, um, embedded in it. And so Biden will accuse Trump of being too soft on China. Um, you know, and obviously if, if Trump were to retaliate and, and demonstrate that that's not true, that, that obviously would not be helpful. So I think you're going to see, um, you know, I, I think the rhetoric from both sides of the aisle will stay very acrimonious towards China. I don't think you're necessarily going to see any policy in terms of tearing up phase one or, or um, you know, imposing fresh sanctions, et cetera. Um, but that certainly is going to be an overhang on the market going forward. Um, nothing too major on the earnings front of the U.S. last night. So, we know, again, we're essentially finished with earnings in the U.S. for the calendar quarter one companies. Cisco kicks off the April end companies tonight. I have a preview for Cisco. Again, I consider Cisco to be one of the better barometers of just broader underlying tech uh, demand. You know, a lot of most companies in tech are either facing, um, you know, very strong secular headwinds or tailwinds. And so it's they're not necessarily the best barometers of just what actual underlying economic consumption is. But Cisco is one of the better large, large caps for that. So, you know, I think Cisco would be it will be an interesting macro um, just gauge as far as tech demand is concerned. That's after the bell tonight in Europe today. You do have a couple of earnings out. These are all calendar Q1 earnings. So ABN, AMRO, Commerce Bank and Maersk all are negative. All are trading lower. Um, so banks in Europe in particular are trading very, uh, very poorly. Um, Alcone, the, um, the optical company is, is very strong after a, um, after reporting earnings. So that's the one upside standout, um, 10 cent re- earnings just hit around at five I'll send something around on those in a little bit. Um, and then there's really no major earnings out this morning in the U S Powell will be speaking at 9 AM. There's obviously a lot of anticipation for this speech. I think it's going to be somewhat anticlimactic. Um, you know, again, this this negative rate, I'm not quite sure why the market started to embed it in the Fed, uh, Fed fund futures last week. You know, the Fed has been very consistent in emphatically, um, you know, disparaging negative rates as a policy tool. Again, this is not to state that the Fed is not is not ready to do more. I think that will Powell will send that message that the Fed does stand ready to do more. They just in the past, at least, have not felt that negative rates um, are just an effective policy tool. So I think that he will reiterate that today. Um, you know, I, I expect him again to deliver, to send a broader message that the Fed is is ready. Um, you know, it has more, it has ample capacity, et cetera. Um, he'll probably also call, call on Congress uh, to do more on the fiscal front. Um, but again, I feel like it's going to be somewhat anticlimactic. I don't think the market necessarily is really waiting for the Fed. I don't think yesterday was a concern at all that Powell would say something today. Um, I don't think that's what sparked the sell-off. Um, you know, just quickly on on fiscal policy. So the Democrats unveiled their proposal for a fifth stimulus bill, um, and the price target went up. I'm sorry, the 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 price of it went up about a trillion dollars in the last 72 hours. So uh, over the weekend, it looked like it would cost two trillion, but they decided to go with three trillion. So that would be on top of the three trillion approximately that's already been passed in the prior four stimulus bills. Um, you know, Republicans immediately rejected most of the parameters within it. Um, you know, this will kick off the negotiation process. Uh, I would imagine you will get a fifth bill sometime in June. 
Um, I would suspect that it will, it will be closer to two trillion, not not three trillion. But nevertheless, you obviously have more fiscal stimulus coming, um, and that is really essentially it for today. Again, my views on the tape are the same as before. Like I was saying, you know, I still think that we deserve to be closer to twenty eight hundred rather than twenty nine plus hundred. Um, you know, not necessarily very negative at all. I just think that you know, again, we were overbought. I think there's just a lot of misplaced optimism especially about reopening and linearity. Um, and then again, I think some of the some of the drug vaccine commentary too um, is a little bit overblown, especially around remdesivir, which looks like that day a couple of weeks ago when when um, you know you saw the remdesivir NIH trial data hit, that looks like it will be a near-term top in the market. And that's something that, that Drunken Miller talked about yesterday uh, when he spoke at the Economic Club in New York. So that is everything for today. Thank you for listening.